to Midnight Flicks, a podcast dedicated to discussing movies relegated to a late-night purgatory. I am one of your hosts, Pat Mitchell, and joining me on this cinematic expedition is Adam Walker. Adam, we had a very uh, consequential death here over the weekend. Um, Not sure if you're familiar with the wrestling stylings and prowess of one New Jack, uh, extreme... Championship wrestler New Jack passed away yesterday at the age of 58, I believe. And uh, it touched me more so than a lot of wrestler deaths because most wrestlers die in their 50s. Uh, that seems to be the common <laughs> common age for a wrestler to die. Um, but this one hit me a little, a little hard. Are you familiar with New Jack? No, I wasn't. And I actually did see some of your Instagram stories where you were showing some footage of his matches. And I was like, this dude fucking rules. And so it piqued my interest. For well, sure. It's funny. The other, the other episode where you were asking about like, why aren't there any uh, heel? Are there any heels that are Ku Klux Klan like personas? And the only, the only thing I could think of was new Jack routinely cut promos in, uh, he was in an indie promotion called uh, Smoky mountain wrestling. And he would routinely cut promos, uh, that would be very derisive of white culture and white people. And it was always fucking phenomenal, but he was always painted as the heel. 
So he'd always come out and be like, black man has been chained up in the bow of a ship for 400 years. So I don't need to take no advice from no white man. I've got a college degree and a criminal record. So I don't need to make anybody making decisions for me. Just really tight shit, to be honest. He sounds like a a rad dude. And no, I'm not familiar with any of his, his work at all. He took no shit and he took grudges to like the ultimate level, which culminated in him throwing another, this wrestler called Vic Grimes who had cracked his skull open in a, in a Vic Grimes had cracked new Jack's skull open in a, in a wrestling match. Um, and new Jack obviously took umbrage with it because Vic Grimes never even contacted him to see if he was okay or anything. So anyway, next time they wrestled was in this, like, (laughs) this towering cage match, like taller than anything ever conceived in wrestling before. And new Jack legit threw him off of the fucking top of this thing after tasing the shit out of him at the top of it. And this dude almost fucking died. If he hadn't hit the ring ropes, this guy would have died. And the new Jack afterwards when asked about it was said, I meant to throw him further. I meant to throw him out of the fucking ring. Fuck that honky. (laughs) Yeah, that guy sounds like he rules. So it's unfortunate that he passed and I had no idea about his career. But now I know. And so I can go back and I could uh, I could check out his 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 greatest his greatest hits. Well, there is a um, there is a episode of Dark Side of the Ring on New Jack. So that would probably be the place to start. But I implore everybody to go on YouTube and just look up New Jack promos or New Jack Smoky Mountain Wrestling promos. They are choice cuts and uh sorry to start the episode on on such a bummer but um you know what's not a bummer (laughs) (laughs) is danny glover in anything uh yeah that man sure does know how to just be danny glover in every movie um tonight we're talking about predator 2 um the much maligned sequel uh which came out to Fairly negative re- reviews across the board. It was panned almost <laughs> entirely by everyone and anyone. Um, what were your thoughts having watched Predator 2 here, uh, which I assume for the first time in a long time? Yeah, well, and it's funny that you mentioned how it was pretty negatively received uh, because I don't remember that at all. That was uh, definitely a revelation that I had w- upon viewing it this time. And um, yeah, I hadn't seen it in a while and I remember back in the day, I really liked it a lot. Um, and I, uh, I couldn't actually remember any of it until the very end, the very end scene always stuck in my mind. And while I was watching it, I was like, yeah, I don't remember any of this. Don't remember any of this was confused for a second that maybe I was thinking of the end of a different movie because it wasn't happening. And then finally it happened. I was like, yeah, it's this movie. Um, but yeah, uh, I still enjoy it. It definitely, there was definitely some times where I questioned why I enjoyed it before as much as I did, but I still went away from it being, you know, overall like pleased with, uh, uh, my viewing experience, but we can get more into the, the nuance of, you know, my, my present, uh, relationship with it, you know, later on when we talk about it. So, 
I think we had very similar experiences. I, I remember loving this movie. I have it on VHS and I popped it on like within the last calendar year, def- definitely during the pandemic at some point. And I remember having a, a fucking blast. And then uh, seeing it this time around, um, I don't know. It did, just didn't have the same punch that it did then. Um, right. And we could talk about that. And I look forward, maybe, maybe once we... I can suss out some of my feelings once we start talking about it because it's a problematic movie similarly to falling down. And I'll I'll probably make a lot of falling down references while we're Mm -hmm. watching this, but um, it's still thoroughly entertaining uh, at points. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a, one of the weirdest fucking movies just conceptually that we will ever talk about on here. So uh, I'm excited. Yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned falling down because I definitely got similar vibes uh, while watching it to that movie. You know, it was just that that era, you know, that cusp of the late 80s and early 90s was right there, you know, in 1990, which falling down was 1990, 91 as well. Right. Um, Yeah. Right there in the early 90s. Yeah. So it was just it was a sign of the times. 93 falling down. Yeah given the fact that both were shot or supposed to take place in LA, you know, there was a certain, um, there was a certain cultural eye being put on gang warfare and, and urban kind of warfare and things like that. You know, that was like a very hot button issue at the time. And, you know, it, it was the, it was nearing the millennium, the end of the millennium. We had switched into a different decade, which always has a tendency to um, have people evaluate the existence of society and where it's going. And so, yeah, so I, I get why both movies would have kind of a similar sort of nature to them. So, well, for anyone who has not seen the second Predator movie, it's uh, set in Los Angeles. It takes place 10 years after the events of the first film. Um, so oddly enough, it's a movie that came out in 1990, but is technically a futuristic movie set in 1997. Um, it uh, focuses on the return of the predator species uh, back to Earth, um, and it involves uh, the predator involving himself in a gang war between the Colombians and the Jamaicans, while a disgruntled uh, police officer played by Danny Glover and his colleagues attempt to defeat uh, the predator and suss out what the hell is going on in Los Angeles. Um, in terms of money made reviews, it was actually successful. I mean, it's a 20 to $30 million budget and, uh, it made 57.1 million in ticket sales alone. So we're not even talking about, uh, you know, once it got put on VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, um, you know, (laughs) on TV, all those, all that money it garnered from that on top of that. So basically made twice its budget in the box office. Talk about, uh, an opening weekend. Boy, howdy. 1990. I was four years old, so I probably wasn't going to the movies at all, but (laughs) predator two opened at number four at the U S box office. It's opening weekend with a gross of over 8 million behind dances with wolves Three Men and a Little Lady, another sequel. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Rocky Five, the worst Rocky of all time. 
and undoubtedly home alone there you go yeah you got some hitters in there for sure and some, what a and weekend some, and some smellers but you know you you and i we both we've obviously shared our mutual undying love for the rocky series and you know rocky five is definitely the fucking poo poo in the in the platter but it has its moments you know i still i still like it well so if i'm in 1990 and the last rocky movie to come out is rocky four you Which, couldn't you couldn't get me down smoke. off of my boner horse to go see right. this the weekend yeah. of november 21st holy shit yeah that would be i'd be this is a weekend a sequel weekend to end all sequel weekends i mean other than dances with wolves and home alone i mean rocky five three men and a little lady <laughs> which is coming off of three men and a little and a, and a baby which is fucking phenomenal i mean yeah Great, great weekend for disappointing sequels. <laughs> <laughs> Predator 2 included, because Predator 2, as great as it is, and why we're talking about it on here is because it didn't get its due, is nowhere near the juggernaut that is Predator, obviously. Ab- absolutely not. And I mean, you know, toe to toe with that first one, really, because as much as like I do like the cast in this movie, there's... There's some bangers. Nothing will ever compare to that OG Predator cast. That's like, you want to talk about, it's raining, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Grease me up, daddy. Dude. Grease me up and send me into the Costa Rican jungle in a (laughs) thong. (laughs) You got the, like, the most doodly dudes. Like, all dudes that, like, every teenage boy at the time would probably been like i want to be that guy i want that guy fucking rules if you you have a a trap fetish like (laughs) (laughs) get ready get ready to come yeah right i've never seen such flexed out deltoids traps in my fucking life (laughs) all greased up and ready to serve um well instead of gay casting the original Predator will segue straight into the negative reviews for Predator 2, which there are many of. So instead of reading a bunch of negative reviews, I found a positive review uh, by Janet Maslin. Um, no, sorry, I misspoke. Janet Maslin of the New York Times is one of the negative reviews. She said, <laughs> it's an unbeatable contender for the most mindless, mean-spirited action uh, yeah. film of the holiday season, which is uh, hilarious. Rita Kempley, though, um, of the Washington Post said she enjoyed the movie and said that it had the dismal irony of RoboCop and the brooding fatalism of Blade Runner. I disagree. I Uh, disagree as well, but I'm glad Rita could make that connection. But she also felt that uh, Danny Glover quote brings an unusual depth to the action adventure and proves fiercely effective as the predator's new nemesis. I disagree with Rita again, but I like somebody Going out on a limb for a movie as unabashedly violent and and just like mindless as as the New York Times reviewer kind of put it, she like took those negative critiques and was like, this is actually kind of why I like it. And that's very odd for a mainstream critic. Or she could have been on the payroll of the studio, but you never know. Boy, um, well, Destroy I wanted to my say dreams. <laughs> I wanted to say this though, because you know you didn't want to dwell on the negative reviews, but man, 
gotta go to our man Raj. And I've got him on here too. Yeah, he, I do. He's up, he's up to his old tricks with this one again. It's like, God damn it! Every time I feel I feel like we flip flop with his reviews. Where overall, you know, we're we're like he's kind of our our, our Lex Luthor as far as the, the you know the the main critics go. But, you know, we still agree with him once in a while. It's just because he's your enemy doesn't mean you don't think he's not, like, right sometimes. But then, like, he comes back with another one, and you're like, you, what the fuck is wrong with you? What was up your ass about this, man? I, so. He, so he gave it two out of four stars. Um, and quote, it said it, quote, represents an angry and ugly dream. I do agree with his criticism of the racial undertones, uh, and the subliminal clues of encouraging us to subconsciously connect the menace with black, black males. I, there is a distinct look to the predator that was changed for the purpose of this movie. And we'll get into it. And it definitely is very, it's a very strange choice. I'll just leave it at that. So, yeah. So it's interesting. You, you mentioned that because I actually was in disagreement with Roger about, his assessment of the design of the predator and the, but now that you mentioned that, that it was a, a seemed to be a conscientious design uh, change between the first one and this one. Now I see that because it's not that I don't think that there is this overlying r- racist subtext of this movie because there is, <laughs> I just didn't pick it up quite as much with the predator being intentionally like this is, an avatar for the angry, violent black male. But yes, I, I, I also can see if you, if you really want to, you, you can glean that from this, but it just, there's way more other racist shit going on in this racist stereotyping that kind of didn't make me focus so much on the predator's design and look as being, the focal point of the, of the racism. So anyways, that's, that was my point. It's one racist element in a, in a (laughs) very, what's the most racist cake we can think of. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So I don't know, whatever that very white, uh, white cake with white frosting and white truffles. Mm, Sounds disgusting. It does sound gross uh well if there's nothing else to hash out here shall we get into the good the bad and the questionable Let's start with the good. Um, insert uh, the exploited song clip here, because in terms of sex and violence, this is off the fucking charts. Um, everybody that gets got is either pumped full of 25 rounds or completely eviscerated and skinned and filleted by Predator. <laughs> it's nuts. In terms of unmitigated... Sex and violence that nobody asked for. Predator 2 was like, here you go. And fun fact, I guess I'll step on my Wikipedia dick here. Uh, It's the first movie to receive the freshly crowned NC-17 rating. So there you go. 
That is correct. And much like, <laughs> not that this is in any way, shape, or form, you know, a, a similar movie, but much like the movie that we talked about last week with Police Story, it's another one of these affairs where right from the get-go, it's nuts and violent and over the top, and it just kind of doesn't let up the whole time. There's just really, it's just a nonstop barrage of violence and carnality in a different way, completely entirely from like, that's the thing with police story. What we were talking about was there's no death at all. There's no sex, not even close. It's, it's funny because it's like as close as you can get as being a violent, but innocent childlike action. I watched thriller. it with my three-year-old. Yeah. Right. You know, so it's, it's perfectly acceptable for, well, depending on what kind of a parent you are, like obviously weirdos like you and I that we're like, yeah, let's watch a movie with our kids where, you know, a bunch of people are getting the shit kicked out of them, you know, but it's, <laughs> but it's acceptable at least for, by our standards, you know, this movie, however, is it's, yeah, it's, this is not a children's movie unless of course you're weirdos like us and we probably watched this when we were kids and now we're scarred for life, but yes. And I've only put it in the good because it's kind of, it's kind of like crow Magnon to be like, first good violence. Good. But it's funny. Cause that's what I actually had at the top. Dude, very first thing, extremely violent. Cause that's what I'm like, yep, yeah, bring it on, baby. Give it to me. But the reason I put it in my good, cause I know both of us were just like, well, holy shit. This is just fucking everyone getting completely <laughs> mowed down this is great <laughs> cool yeah but, and, but and, in a realistic fashion though too like uh police stories like a kind of cartoony and uh and like rikio is like the other end like where it's like so cartoony and mm-hmm. violent it's like it's like almost unreal but this is like a realistic portrayal of violence and that they try to dial up to like 11 yeah, and again, that opening scene, that straight up right off the bat reminded me of Falling Down because there is that there is that particular scene in Falling Down where there's the, the gang warfare happening, like in Chinatown or something. And there's very similar tropes that are being utilized in both. Um, all of them pretty racist, but you know what I mean. So <laughs> I'll get, I, I get into it in my bad, but I am yeah. convinced that this happens on the same day as – as the movie falling down because the falling sure. down happens all in the same day in LA. This happens all in the same universe. Falling down and predator two are just two, two different sides of the same city. <laughs> like yeah. de- defense is traversing <laughs> the other side of LA while this shit is happening, like on the South side or whatever. Like it's uh, all the same fucking movie for sure. Yeah. I love it. That would be great to mash those up. for sure for sure um this movie is not only unique to the predator series because in predators first of all let me in a a total aside but the marketing of the predator movies is complete ass you have predator predator 2 predators and then you have the two alien versus predators and then you have the newest predator which is called the predator what the fuck are you doing predator (laughs) yeah if you're like just some dude that's trying to find out like just watch some of the the sequel to the predator franchise after predator 2 they decided we're not gonna number or fucking relate this to anything 
to the it's so bizarre like i don't know why they did that like that but anyway in the first predator and in predators they return to the to the jungle setting um but this movie is completely unique not only to the predator series it's kind of movie that just has no comparison in film and something that will certainly never be attempted again for obvious reasons but it's like this weird mishmash of hard-nosed police detective procedural shit Mm -hmm. big dick action movie and some weird blend of sci-fi alien fish out of water story (laughs) yeah and it is just so bizarre the melding of all these things because it's all of those things are in this movie and are like hard tropes like all of those things are it, the DNA of this film, not just like sprinklings of all these things. Yeah, in fact, I put down it's like a black exploitation meets sci-fi meets horror, and then I would add, yeah, police detective, gumshoe procedural, all smashed together. Name another film in the like anywhere in the stratosphere. I know we keep comparing this to Falling Down. Uh, but it's not like falling down in this movie are aesthetically similar. They're similar in the, in the respect of that. They both take place in LA and have uh, racist undertones <laughs> and a lot of bad fashion, which I'll get into that as well. Yeah, tons of bad fashion. Not sure why Danny Glover and Bill Paxton are, tr- are trouncing around like 1950s gumshoes at, at certain points. Absolutely. Had that as well. The oversized gumshoe suits thing. Like, yeah, I'm stepping on my own dick with getting into the bat a little bit here. But like, it's totally, it really is that vibe with those guys. It's so it's like Dick Tracy shit. Like I didn't, uh, yes, let's not step on our, on our dicks in the bad, but very, it's a very strange, very strange aesthetic. And this movie is just all over the genre map. And I just feel like nothing had been attempted up to this point like this and nothing will be attempted again, mainly because of its portrayal of minorities. And this is, is really, yeah. really fucking bad. Right. Yeah, totally. I, I'm going to agree with you all that. <laughs> so, yeah, we're kind of we're kind of um, jumping ahead a little bit here with this. So would say let's try and like reel it back with what we do find good and one thing that we do find good i'm sure both of us that isn't racist is yeah like danny glover so danny glover great love danny glover this is one of a one of the low-key best bill paxton roles he's really given it a bill paxton in this as strictly cast as the comedic relief um is is fucking great all it's all funny ass one-liners like it yeah. he is phenomenal in this he's so good but danny glover as the lead also great there's not a danny glover movie that i've watched uh, that i didn't like other than that shitty saw movie he was in i haven't seen that one but um yeah i also want to mention since we're going down the cast a little bit i love the fact that we have a and surprisingly giving the circumstances surrounding his life at the time, but we have a lucid Gary Busey in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. What, what tranquilizers did they have to give him to, to give this performance? It's the most dialed back Busey performance of all time. It really is. And, you know, I don't know if you knew that this is right after he got in that near fatal 
uh, famous motorcycle accident. No, I did really, not. Maybe that's why he's yeah. so uh, he's so reserved in this role. Which is wild because essentially, from what I know about Gary Busey, that's kind of like the demarcation line of like, okay, we had a semi-coherent, you know, Gary Busey, and then we have the Gary Busey that we know now, like aka Gary Busey Pet Judge. (laughs) 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 What we've gotten over the years is just this weird kind of copy of a copy like uh, of the original Gary Busey that just gets more and more pixelated and fucking unhinged and he just constantly has the fucking Boris Johnson hair and yeah he does so but he's great in this I love like because I love Gary Busey I I, he was one of my favorite actors from the 80s and he's just like to me a real he's just he's such a character so it's really cool to see him in this play you know, like you said, a more dialed back kind of role, but still does a really good job. Agreed. I think the casting overall was great. And I, and I want to hearken back to, um, our very, very first episode. And if I recall, correct me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. but you did not care for the performance of Maria Conchita Alonso in the running man. You thought it was a well, very vapid performance. And I agreed with you. I was going to say, yeah, well, well, hold on, my friend. Don't, don't throw me under the bus. We, this was a, uh, yeah, this was, no, uh, no, I agreed. It, <laughs> it was very vapid and hollow and meaningless. I feel like in the four years or whatever. Yeah. I think 86 to 90, uh, she just grew as an actress, and I think she actually does a really good job in this. Like it, her performance is great. Yeah, she. It's funny the the parallels to the Alien series. She really reminds me of Vasquez in this. Not only that, but Bill Paxton being yeah. the only person to he, he. How weird is it that he's in Aliens and Predator Two? That's got it. That's very strange. Yeah, there. There's quite a bit of nods and even subtle background nods maybe we'll get into later to alien the well, alien series in this movie so well that is in my good the the xenomorph easter egg is a yeah. mighty fine choice uh yeah. <laughs> I, I absolutely love it and while we're comparing uh this to a numerous amount of movies this this movie vibes heavily with jason goes to hell um, mm-hmm. which came out in 93. This came out in 1990. Jason goes to hell, obviously has, um, the Freddy hand come out of the ground and drag yep. the Jason mask, uh, at the very end, which was a precursor to Freddy versus Jason, which came out 10 years later in 2003. This has that little Easter egg at the end of the Xenomorph, um, head in, in the predator spaceship, which didn't lead to a Alien versus Predator sequel until 2004. So it's so bizarre that both movies sprinkled in this, uh, you know, hinting at a potential, you know, series-defining crossover, but didn't capitalize on it for 10 years, Both in both cases. So strange. Right. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, so my next good that I kind of want to talk about if you don't mind me interjecting here because I'm trying to keep it as close to sequentially and chronologically as we can is that police precinct scene is utter bananas. (laughs) It's just, again, it's that whole, 
what we're talking about how we take take these things that you know mirror whatever real life in an urban environment and just cranking the knob up to 11 and it's just the the panorama of what is happening during when they they do that that kind of panorama steadicam shot through the police precinct into Harrigan's office is so great because you know you could just kind of you could pause each one of those and just see like oh there's the pimp getting you know you know sent in and there's his hose and this guy just knocked this cop out and you know it's just, <laughs> it was really funny to me to see that happening and just in the very beginning where it's just this it's just this like raving mad like you know gang of fucking criminals that are all like demanding to you know talk to the the desk chief or whatever (laughs) (laughs) and they're just ah let me in Ah, i've got my fucking papers you know (laughs) and the tropes per second ratio is uh, off the charts it's like it's like we don't need no renegade cops in this office like everything they say is like straight pulled out of every other movie ever like it's not it's the most unoriginal <laughs> like but it's the most unoriginal from a from a scene aspect but the most wholly filling and like like I I don't ever grow tired of that type of shit though I love I love just police hard-nosed detective tropes like everything about it like meeting him in his office and the lieutenant like lieutenant having to like buy some time on his case and and then being like this is your this is your last straw one more fuck up and you're gonna be sent (laughs) down to you know crossing guard duty like everything about it's so bizarre it's so i love it yeah it's like he's a good cop but then he's also the worst cop in the world and does all this awful shit but he's but he, a good cop he gets results damn it <laughs> and that's all that matters <laughs> and i wanted to say speaking of asshole cops another good of mine and this is just a real he because he's only in there for a minute i don't know why but i always i referred to him as the pockmark acne scarred guy that's always a fucking asshole in every yeah, movie. Yeah, he's just the guy from Goonies, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, he's the brother in Goonies, but his name's like Robert Davi, and I always forget his name, but I don't know. He's also one of those guys that just, I, I always associate with my childhood and seeing movies, because he has such a distinguished face, and he reminds me a lot of Manuel Noriega, who, you know, was portrayed mm-hmm. as, as such a boogeyman in the 80s, you know, growing up and everything like that. So I think that's how, like, in my mind, I kind of make these different connections. But he does that thing, too, where he's also, you know, he's like whatever the, the he's like a lieutenant or something. He, Deputy he, chief. Deputy chief. And he's just like, don't fuck with me no more, Harrigan. You know, like, I'll, I'll find send you back and you keep your nose out of this <laughs> yeah their interactions are, are straight cut out of like every police movie ever yeah yeah <laughs> but he's yeah he's fucking phenomenal oh, yeah everyone in the police station is it's like uh it is like the weirdest drug on the planet watching mm-hmm. this shit <laughs> i love yeah. it though yep. um the other good that i have is a very specific scene, but um, I love when, <laughs> when Predator is trying to heal in the bathroom of that old lady's apartment and she's like knocking on the door like, 
what's going on in there? <laughs> it, is, it is one of the most. It reminds me of like a dare commercial, like her teenage son's freebasing in the bathroom and she like pretends to turn a blind eye, but she also wants him to open up and predators in there like mainlining some fucking drugs on the toilet seat. Like he's like, ah, when he busts out of that fucking door and then slams through the front door wall is like one of the most unintentional comedic fucking things on the floor. Maybe it's intentional, intentionally funny. I don't know. I can't tell, but that scene is, it's, I, I don't literally LOL a bunch, but that I fucking lost my mind. Yeah, I agree. That was really funny to me too. There's also, uh, but I have a questionable about that that I'll bring up. But uh, yeah, it also reminds you kind of almost like it could be a British comedy sketch. Say it's very Benny Hill and it's it is nature. It is, but, they, it, but with with it being the predator, it adds this very strange strange element to it that it just yeah. is like so bizarre. Yeah, it's super good. Um, so I also. I really like that drone helicopter shot that zooms in on the the drug lord just like r- railing his fucking girlfriend in his high rise apartment. Yeah, there. it's it's like we the it's almost like the producer saw the cut of the film and was like, why don't we have a fucking explicit sex scene? Like why yeah. why aren't there titties in this movie? Well, we didn't <laughs> we didn't see a, a reason or a, a, we weren't able to fit one in there. Well, fucking do it. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll Dino do yeah, Dino De the, yeah, the he's like, more titties, more, <laughs> more, more, tits, more blood, more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he fucking Adam Driver is. <laughs> yeah, he Adam Driver titties into this thing. <laughs> um, I will also say, uh, kind of going off of that whole uh, sequence where you know the voodoo gang comes to string up that Colombian. Um, I think he's one of the Colombians. I'm, get, I, I'm getting yeah, confused. Yeah, he's the Colombian, the um, like, he's the he's the top Colombian drug lord or whatever the fuck. Yeah, so, of course, you know, they all just get murked like dogs by the Predator. But um, when the investigators come in to check out the scene, it immediately shows the one body that's completely had its skin removed. And by golly, I tell you what. There's nothing that like tickles me more in horror and sci-fi stuff than a good flayed uh, corpse. I love a good skinless corpse. And it was a good callback to the original Predator where I guess just he just flays some motherfuckers. But yeah. it's seemingly at random. Some people don't get it. Right. Some people do. Who knows? Yeah. He's just like, nah, you know what? I like you. I like your face. I like your skin. We're going to leave. We're, We're going to leave you alone. everything intact. Yeah, but this guy, not so much. So here you go. There goes your, there goes your uh, human suit. What does he do with the human suits? Where is that? Because we see his trophy case of uh, of skulls and shit. But where is he putting yeah. the skin? Where is he putting the suits? Exactly. They maybe use them as it. condoms. Oh, condoms or like maybe like he makes a nice roux with it for the predator stew. No. Hmm. The tribal stew. You know, like I mean, because. I didn't, they gotta I didn't eat. fancy him a, a Julia Childs, but <laughs> <laughs> predators have got to eat. They're predators. So, you know, after a after a long, hard slog of, you know, killing gang lords and 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 green berets, be like, could she just want to cozy up to a nice bowl of skin soup. Well, maybe, or maybe it's like an Ed Gein <laughs> situation where they try that bad boy on and have like a goodbye horses montage where they're. <laughs> 
Would you fuck Predator? <laughs> or Click, Clicking sounds, I'd fuck Predator. Or maybe it's one of those things where, you know, he gets back to the ship and the other Predators are there and he's like, hey, check this out, guys. And he puts on, look, I'm a human being. Look at me. <laughs> I drive cars and go to jobs. And he's just like, so he's got like. <laughs> and they all have that chuckle, that fucking insane laugh from the original Predator where he just, <laughs> for whatever reason, has a human laugh. <laughs> So yeah, they, all, they all just like click their pincers and laugh and clap at his yeah, that's great that's good yeah that's good stuff so um, anyway what other good do you have you know because this is a, again a, a throwback to a yesteryear and you know <laughs> i know you're a little bit younger than me so i don't know if you have any sort of nostalgia for this at all but i do like the morton downey jr cameo because morton downey jr of course is such an icon of a bygone era of being basically the godhead of shitty sensationalistic talk show host exploitative talk show host like that's he is the the first dude in that regards Uh, he's in my bad for that reason okay see i have a nostalgia attached to it and he's yeah i mean his fucking his tooth-headed mug is definitely irksome, but it's an irksome that I, I I enjoy because again it's it calls back to a different time. So um, he's kind of he I could see him being in the bad. He's also in my good though because of that. I mean, I yeah. do remember the Morton Downey Jr. show, and I remember him just being like the first loudmouth asshole. Um, yeah, I mean the the icon for his show was literally a literally, giant mouth. Yeah, <laughs> it was just like. Bah! that would consume the camera he's a, he's a go ahead i was gonna say he's essentially just a loudmouth like ventriloquist dummy he just he looks like a puppet yeah he it's weird because it's like he's in my bad because i fucking hate him like yeah. but i guess like his role in this he plays himself like a self-aggrandizing yes. fucking loudmouth asshole i get right i get the role but I'll get into why I don't like it in my bad, I guess. Yeah, sure, sure. And that's that is completely valid. Like if I didn't have that weird nostalgic attachment to that guy, then yeah, I can see why he'd be in a bad. Um, I also wanted to say, I don't know what it is, but I just always get tickled when I see that Ruben Blades is in something because I like <laughs> the fact that his last name is Blade. <laughs> yeah, Blades. Is, is that his legal <laughs> fucking name? <laughs> Ruben Blades. I'm looking it up. That is his fuck. His name is Ruben Blades Bellido de Luna. Yeah, he's he's got a sick fucking name. So Ruben Blades. Shout out to Ruben Blades' name. His Maybe name not is Ruben knows. Blades Bellido de Luna. So his name is basically like Ruben Bl- Blades Blade of, the, of moon. the Moon. Yeah, he's Blade <laughs> of the Moon. That's a fucking. That name is sick. As Ruben fuck. Moonblade. Fuck yeah. Ru- Ruben Moonblade, my man. Jesus Christ. <laughs> the fucking um, power name. Yeah, uh, I've got some other goods, but, you know, I don't know. If we For a movie that we kind of hinted at that we were lukewarm at best about, there we are rattling off quite a bit of goods. Because, again, it is an entertaining film. You know, it does have a lot of... It packs a lot of punch to it. But... Yes, there's just something that like I was left wanting throughout the movie. 
to us to a certain degree cohesion <laughs> cohesion that would make sense yeah i was like is it pacing is it cohesion i don't know if it's necessarily the pacing because again it it does have a lot of just high energy action shit but like yeah i think the cohesion is really the factor that was taking me out of it sometimes well you can feel free to i i am out of good so you can rattle off as many as much of your good as you'd like I, I like I like King Willie's Cobra Cane. That's super sick. That could be our uh, iconography. Actually, I have a better iconography, but that that could be a contender. Um, so the other thing I wanted to say, and then we can move on if you want. Um, I love that Predator shit. I love the design of the inside of it. Again, that was the thing that I told you. If I had any sort of recollection of this movie, it was that whole scene with Danny Glover in the ship. I really, really love the design of the, the the internal design of that ship. It's like super sick. Opinion, yeah, and how he gets there when he's like falling through the elevator shaft into like an underground lair. Like the, uh, it's all very yeah. aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's super cool. Um, and I think that's it. So we can move on. Um, the bad. I mean, we should might as well just <laughs> something we've been hinting at this whole time. But the overtly racist portrayals in this. We're glaring in 1990. Enough for old Rajib to mention it. So time has certainly not been (laughs) kind in that regard. But the Jamaican gang in this is just like... Holy shit. (laughs) An amalgamation of (laughs) stereotypes. Like, they might as well be just like bumping UB40 and like passing spliffs. They are passing spliffs. What the fuck am I saying? Yeah, they are doing that. Pass the duchy on the left hand side, like all that, all the cultural shit that was really popular in eighties pop culture in the U.S. about Jamaican culture, leading up yeah. to like cool runnings, like everything that we <laughs> thought we knew about Jamaican culture was was thrown into this. Very, very much akin to when Australian culture was fucking huge in the states, and we got a, two Crocodile Dundee movies out of it, uh. but. And but then, this seems yeah, to be worse. Whenever it's steakhouse, yeah, yeah, Outback Steakhouse. That's true. <laughs> whenever it seems, whenever it's a minority, though, it's glaringly much worse. Um, and it's so bad in this. Like it's, it's like they never talked to a Jamaican in their life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, that scene where they pull up in that fucking that that lowered Oldsmobile that has the animal. Pad patterns on Dude, it and, it's, so and it's just all lit up and they're they just they straight up those dudes look like they just came from the fucking spirit halloween store and got the <laughs> got the fucking the rasta man outlook and like get yeah, in we're I'm going not. to spirit halloween <laughs> and they're like yeah and then danny glover gets in he's like hey you want to spliff man and i was like literally cool. literally and they fucking <laughs> And they even like, yeah, they hotbox them. It's so, so, so bizarre. I just so, don't. Yeah. And to like lean into the kind of tone deafness and the racism more. And this is, this is dipping into the, the trivia again, but they're supposed to be like a voodoo gang and Jamaicans aren't, they're not voodoo practitioners. That's a Haitian thing. So it's just this. They can't even weird, get their stereotypes right. They can't even get their stereotypes right. So it's this weird mishmash of cultures that doesn't actually happen. But so to me, that was like, I don't know. Maybe that was an intentional device on the writers where they're like, yeah, you know, we know this, but 
you know, we'll spice it up a little bit. Or maybe they're just like, yeah, they're people with dreadlocks. You know, they totally practice voodoo. So whatever. <laughs> I don't it's know, man. so bizarre. <laughs> and to double down on that, the Colombians are portrayed as like coke-addled Tony Montana Absolutely. caricatures. So like, know, like when the one dude, he like when the, there's the big fight scene in the mm-hmm. warehouse in the beginning and he just cuts open the fucking coke, smashes some in his face and then smashes some like on his wound. And it's just like, oh, uh, shit, man. Dude, and it's <laughs> so 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 bizarre yeah and if that weren't enough for this (laughs) fucking cake they quote unquote wanted to make the main predator to be designed to look more quote urban and hip than its predecessor so stan winston went through design changes which included tribal ornamentation on the forehead which was made steeper and shallower brighter skin coloration and a greater number of fangs describing the new predators design stan winston said quote broad concepts the same the difference is is that it's kind of different to the individual different individual of the same species as a, a snake is a snake but different snakes are different their colorings are different different parts of their character characteristics their facial structures subtle differences just a very strange thing because they basically that's all to say that they were like, let's give him dreads and a bunch of fucking beaded, uh, like spring break necklaces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing though. I, you know, I don't personally have a problem with them using, you know, African tribal culture, wherever it might be of the multitudes of African tribal cultures that there are the in infinitesimal to be, you know, inspirational for the design of the predator that's where i was like yeah you know especially in the the dreadlocks look like when you know there's clearly you can see the when the predator is pitted against the rastafarians and it's all the more apparent like that this is you know a a call to that sort of thing but it didn't bother me nearly as much as yeah all the other racist shit about it but then so this idea of like the 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 story itself is 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 racist in the same way that like falling down is like Mm -hmm. the minorities are destroying our cultural landscape with their gang war. This and falling down have that threaded throughout. I would love to see a DVP defense versus predator movie. That would be, (laughs) but it's just defense. Like, being like predator, uh, uh, can I call you predator? Is that okay? So (laughs) Mr. Predator, Mr. Predator, it's just that, you know, you know, with your participation trophies and whatnot, it's like the lead predator should get the skull trophy, but what these participation trophies of all these other subsequential skulls have, have given your generation a softness and then predator clicks and clacks that defense was the generation that actually made the de- participation trophies to begin with. And right. defense has to fucking defend themselves. It would be the worst movie of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'd be a lot of white mansplaining to the alien <laughs> <laughs> predator like sits down at one point. He's like, I'm going to be here a while. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I would love a DVP movie. So we got AVP, AVP two. And the third one is defense versus predator. <laughs> I love it. I was actually while you were talking about cool runnings, I was imagining a a cool runnings predator uh hybrid. <laughs> oh hell yeah. <laughs> when the predator takes place in the bobsledding competition. Yes, that would be that would be and he's like as as he does in this, which is also in my bad, he's like, you know, 
mimicking a lot of their a lot of their cultural framework and I could see him being like, feel the rhythm, feel the ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, okay, good segue into one of my bads. Uh, why is it that the only phrases that the Predator mimics are all just vulgar little, like, one-liners? It says, you know, eat shit or... Shit happens. Shit happens. It's just, there's or, The only one that's not is, want some candy and... Just too much talking for the predator. Much, I don't want my talking. predator to do this amount of talking. It's yeah, too much zippy, you know, one-liner comebacks that wouldn't be happening. I so. I kind of like the you're one ugly motherfucker, and then the predator. I I just don't think it's noticeable, but so he says it in the same accent as Schwarzenegger. So it's okay. supposed to be like a callback to obviously when Schwarzenegger says it to him, he like remembered it or yeah. it, it was, you know, it was memorized into the lexicon of, of human language. But like, like that was kind of cool. But yeah, like him throughout the whole movie, like recording everything with his Home Alone 2 uh, fucking speech recorder <laughs> device. Like it's so bizarre. I just don't get it. Well, well, I don't know when you get into the trivia, if you'll talk about it. But when I was reading up, because there is a lot about this movie. I couldn't believe there was it's, a compendium. It's a, it's a compendium of shit. Yeah. Um, but they go into that with a little bit, you know, I, I feel like it, it does create a certain, you know, logic to why they're recording everything. But we'll talk about that more if you want later. Sure. Um I mean the the racial shit is the is the big bad here. Yeah. Um, the only yeah, thing that's... I wanted to double back around was the Morton Downey Jr. shit. It's not that he plays, <laughs> you know, the bootlicking, sniveling faux journalist. So like, right. it's a, it's a caricature of himself. But yeah. his role in the movie is just wholly unnecessary. Like you take him out of the film completely, and you don't miss a beat in in anything. The plot zips just just as fluidly yeah just the fact that when they enter the the colombians uh palatial uh apartment there after the 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 death scenes and they had to just shoehorn him in there he's like oh he just happened to somehow sneak into the crime scene and is lurking in the background you know that was like ridiculous to me i also feel like it's a (laughs) it's a it's a cultural artifact that is no longer a fucking thing. Like the really right. snoopy journalist that has to get the the lead story before everyone else. Like I just that's, yeah. that's not a thing anymore, really, with the internet and all. Yeah, and everyone having phones. Everyone's a fucking snoopy journalist. It's you know, so the 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 journalist as a career or an, having an occupation, you know, to be a snoop just. It's inconsequential because everybody can be a snooping journalist at this point. Yeah, the sensationalism, the sensationalist journalist, like the TMZ bullshit. Right. (laughs) Which is funny that TMZ is still around. So, but I mean, there is a market for it. But yeah, anyways. I don't, um, any other bad that you have? Um,. Uh, other than we already kind of talked about what's up with Danny Glover and 
uh, Bill Paxson's fucking zoot suit. So oh, yeah, we did talk about <laughs> the oversized. Like, wow, they look like children in their giant baggy fucking Just suit. Why? It's like they were like, well, this is going to be 1997. 50s culture is assuredly <laughs> coming back hard, even though it just did in the 80s. Like, what the fuck are yeah, they but it, thinking? But that's the thing. They did. They did. They did kind of predict that because it did in the 90s. Remember, there was that was the fucking cherry pop and daddy's big band <laughs> fucking 1940s swing revival. So it did happen. And man, that is one that if there is there is obviously uh, just volumes of things you can talk about the 90s in terms of cultural artifacts that were bad and have not aged well. The swing revival is definitely like Swing revival and new metal are the two cultural little landmarks of that era where you're just like, what the fuck was going on, man? So no, definitely they, more so the swing band psychobilly fucking bullshit. When, you know, I don't know who opines for where like third base is a hand job. Like, I, who the fuck wants that? Like, that's awful. I don't want that lineage. I want third base should be. You're fucking all, all almost sucking and fucking at that point. Right. Yeah, man. And I'm just now I'm actually having third base is is holding hands. <laughs> I'm actually having flashbacks right now to when I saw my friends all succumb to that shit. And I'm like, what is why? You know, I'm in slow motion. I'm seeing, you know, friends of mine. They're like, yeah, we're going to get into swing dancing. And what? Dude, yeah, I don't want to go to a sock hop. I don't want to go to a Sadie Hawkins dance. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, get leave the hall. To to paraphrase Manowar, posers lead the fucking dance hall. Well, dance hall's empty now. Yeah. So, anyways, so there you go. So that would be. I feel like you know. I just really wanted to put put a put a dot on that. That bad. That's for sure. Absolutely questionable. Um, lots of questions here. <laughs> the, I don't sure if you, I went down a really deep wormhole, but the flintlock pistol is mm-hmm. gotta be one of the most confusing fucking elements of the movie that if yeah. you didn't like, especially in 1990, you, you assuredly walked away not knowing what the fuck any of that was. And they, they ensured it that no one would know what it was because it was supposed to be a hint at a potential sequel that never happened so it's so strange that it's in there but um yeah just the fact that you know when he walks out with the flintlock pistol and uh what's his name the fucking the baldwin that isn't related to the baldwin brothers actor comes out and he's like what the fuck happened in there he's like you know we missed our chance and he said oh don't worry asshole you'll get another chance clearly they were leaving it open-ended for another movie so it's so if you're asking, what the hell is the flintlock pistol at the end of this? They wanted, uh, they have this whole story that full in that kind of the whole story is in a comic book version after the fact. Yeah, but they wanted this idea of the predator going back in uh, back to a time where hand to hand combat was was more of an idea like at the end of the original predator. So there's this whole story of a pirate who they have a bunch of stolen gold and he wants to return the gold and there's a mutiny on the ship and the, I guess the predator shows up and Mm -hmm. 
the the crew of his ship end up killing this pirate and um he ends up the pirate gives the predator this flintlock pistol and says take it and so at the end of predator 2 as a show of admiration the predator gives danny glover this flintlock pistol and says take it it's gotcha. a real roundabout fuckfest way of being like this is all these are really cool ideas that we have that you'll never see <laughs> so you're telling me Oh my gosh, I'm so upset that we missed out on a potential Predator versus Pirate movie. Predators in the Caribbean. Sorry, oh, yeah, no. you didn't get Predator what? versus Bluebeard. <laughs> Why didn't this happen? Why didn't we get Predator versus Jack Sparrow? <laughs> Predator 3, Predators in the Caribbean. Oh my god. So strange. <laughs> it's even stranger that they were... So adamant in putting that in there. Because why would anybody know what the flintlock pistol was? I thought like when I saw it, it was like some like Aaron Burr shit. Like I was like, oh, was he like, I had no idea. It was just a fictional fucking story that they, it's like an inside joke that they had amongst themselves. So the only takeaway that I always had about that, because again, I do remember that whole part even to this day before I had watched the movie again. My main thing was I was just like, oh, they're just trying to hint that the predators can traverse time. You know, or that they've been around as, as long as As long, as long. Yeah. Either way, they're, they're obviously a very ancient species that can time hop or have, you know, they've been, they've been coming before. to Earth this this long. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really what it was. I didn't really put it into any other context before, you know, and it's funny because after watching it and then reading more about it, I have the very, very first issue of Predator that came out on Dark Horse, the comic book that they're talking about. Yeah. This was inspired by um, and I have not read it in a long time. So um I didn't have any other issues. I just got the very first issue. So it's made me want to go back and reread it and kind of see, you know, where they were taking some of this stuff from. Yeah, it's but. certainly a huge questionable <laughs> idea to throw in there. Um, what questions yeah. did you have? I have a couple more, but. Um, well, I had one question and then it got immediately answered. So I put, oh, never mind. But um, I did. I did wonder first when they were on the ship. uh just uh the city hunter i also liked while i was reading about this how they they break down the different uh categories of the predators and what their stations are essentially but the city hunter predator at danny glover when they're into the ship and i was like wow where's the ship crew there's no crew on the ship but then of course the other the, the members of the tribe manifest and i would assume that they double as the crew so they're or the the ship is here was my thoughts was like okay this all could make sense that the crew has just absconded and this guy is by himself and he can somehow teleport back to his world or the ship itself is sentient and it can, you know, operate itself. There's any number of different, you know, explanations for this. But my first one was like, well, where's the crew at? It's a pretty big ship. And then they showed up. So anyways, that was a question that got pretty much answered <laughs> quickly too. Um, Let's see. What else? Oh, this is actually this should have been in my bad, too. And I fucking forgot to mention it, dude. And again, this is another what the fuck 90s moment or like that weird fucking awkward middle 
part between the 90s and 80s. That fucking gang in the subway. God, fuck off. What is with these movies, these Hollywood movies and how they portray urban gangs and they just miss the mark so fucking bad like no gangs fucking look like this <laughs> what is this is the paisley fucking punks they look like a bunch of fucking janet jackson backup dancer rejects <laughs> they're all wearing fucking scarves and fucking delia's outfits it's and so just, so strange they're like the least menacing threatening gang in the world like if a dude came up to me on a fucking subway looking like that with a shank i'd just be like really bro you well this it, is does, how you're gonna it does prove to be every white person <laughs> on that train has a gun apparently and no one is even phased by these assholes so <laughs> right which why would you i mean they look fucking ridiculous they're absolute clowns they're wearing fucking like you know they're wearing fucking parachute pants and <laughs> and, it's like and, what and, somebody would like dress up to at like to like rehearsals or tryouts to like a Broadway play about street gangs. Like they'd show up dressed yeah. like that and be like, I'm here for my role. <laughs> I'm gang member number two. <laughs> Wink. What the fuck? So yeah, uh, that um, also when Harrigan goes to meet King Willie in the alley king willie doesn't really tell him anything he is completely useless as any sort of transmitter of you of information he just like is he just recites some scary mumbo jumbo but doesn't actually clarify exactly what it is that you know harrigan needs to be knowing about at that time he has no idea that this the that the killer is a, is an alien. He's just like, oh, he's a look out for the eyes of the demon, man. And it's like, what? Okay, you that's told where me the mishmash gets really bad because it's like, wait, is this guy Jamaican or Haitian or what the fuck's what, going on what, or what, what is this? Yeah, yeah. What what's his deal? So that also, he's like kind of. Like, I mean, I I like the character looks kind of cool and I like his fucking cane, but completely perfunctory to have him there to just really explain nothing you know <laughs> it's basically to bring danny glover up to speed with this idea that this third entity or as they like to say early on in the movie we have a, another player on the scene uh right. is actually an alien entity because this guy because of his voodoo practices has some sort of like spiritual connection with right another realm or some dumb fucking shit that they added force in here um yeah so anyways and then the other thing that's kind of questionable bad i don't know if you noticed because we were talking about this scene where the predator is in the old woman's apartment and he busts out like fucking kool-aid man (laughs) but if you notice when he busts out of the front door that the way the cutout of the the of the exit uh the exit like fucking opening is perfectly cut out like like die cut oh it i doesn't did not even, notice yeah it's 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 obviously clearly you know they they set it up to just be very easily removed there's no realistic way that it looks like he he went through a wall it's, why couldn't they have in his predator get up just had him run through like a really like soft yeah, he fabricated wall like yeah exactly or he just he can he can move through solid objects when he's in his cloaking uh status i thought so why yeah why didn't he just like 
but I guess it was because he also was injured. So maybe it was his his cloaking uh, ability was maybe on the mend. So he had to just fucking Kool Aid man through. <laughs> <laughs> That scene is so ridiculous. <laughs> the yeah. predators are also, as a race, really scraping the bottom of the barrel. If this is the best competition, they could scrounge up. Like, there's nobody, and I mean nobody, in this film that strikes me as real competition. Like, I just don't get even Danny Glover. It's like, yeah, really? We, right. We know for a fact that they were in the Costa Rican jungle against like top notch, <laughs> like you know assassins and and military operatives and all that and obviously the the flintlock pistol they've they've went back in time or or have been coming to this planet for long enough to be riding and ride or die with fucking pirates and shit so now like these fucking asshole gangs and danny glover like it's this can't be a real competition i mean come on now dude i felt the same way during the whole meat pack and plant uh scene where I just kept thinking that I'm like, I love you, Danny. And like, I, I like you in this movie, but there is no fucking way that you would be able to last. If this guy, if this creature is, is, you know, the well-trained, the well-oiled killing machine that it is, you'd, you'd been done. My friend, you would have fucking tripped over your oversized zoot suit, rioted fucking trousers <laughs> a long time ago, broke your fucking hip and then been done. So he would have, he would have planted that fucking that disc into your chest and lights out. So yeah, didn't buy that either, but Hey, whatever. I mean, sure. It's the movie's fault because you are, you're naturally going to just do a side by side of Arnold and Danny Glover, because this movie as the, you know, protagonist, you're just like, we went from Arnold to this. I mean, that's just the movie set that set it up like that. So like, yeah, Obviously, that's a step down. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think that's it for me, honestly. So we shall go into our awards and categories section. Um, actually, let's take a TV timeout. Let me charge my computer because it's almost dead. Uh, Sounds good to me. Five seconds. I'll be right back. Okay, everybody, just take a deep breath. Loosen your sphincters. We don't need any rush hour Rambos there. All right, so let's get into our awards and categories section, which starts with the quotes, which is heavily dominated by uh, Bill Paxton. (laughs) Yeah. Lambert has all the quotes of this. Um, I love what he sees uh, himself beating up Tony Pope on the television in the subway or whatever, and he's like, hey, hey, it's (laughs) me. I look great. And... uh, Cantrell's like, oh, shut up. And he turns to the old man next to him and was like, no autographs, Pop. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good, good line. Um, <laughs> I love when he uh, he's in the bar and he catches the eye of that girl from across the way. And uh, he goes up to that dude that's dancing with her and he's like, hey, that's my sister you're dancing with. And he turns around and he's like, hey, you're not my sister. <laughs> that's a good back and forth. <laughs> Uh, also on the subway, Lambert says, okay, everybody, just <laughs> what does he say? He says something like, we don't need any rush hour Rambos here. <laughs> yeah. Or, He's got some good. He says, untighten your sphincters. Yeah. Yeah. He comes in hot a lot. One of my favorite ones was 
right at the beginning when he has that uh, interaction. What was it? Cantrell. It's yeah. Uh, Jerry can yeah. Leona, Jerry Cantrell. What? Really? I didn't catch that. Really? Is that no, her name? No, no. Oh, okay. I was like, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> I've been my um, but he walks away from it. And what is he says? Like, oh, that bitch is on the rag or something like yeah, that. He's got, he's got some cringy ones too. Well, yeah, when yeah. Just the, the whole thing where she grabs him by the balls comes back around hilariously later. Cause when he goes to dance with that girl, she's like, Hey, how are your balls? He goes, fine. How are yours? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, those are good. Harrigan mm-hmm. says, uh, "What it sounds like is you're cutting off my dick and shoving it up my ass." That's a good, just like yeah. cop, cop line. Yeah. <laughs> Any quotes that you liked to put in this section? Nah, that was that was mostly it. I, I actually, I, I for some reason completely forgot to put some down. So there you go. Thank you. Of course. So I'm taking the wheel on this episode. Mm-hmm. Best scene, worst scene. What's the best scene in the movie? I would say off the top, probably the subway scene for me. That subway scene is pretty. I'm surprised based on how you spoke ill of the Broadway gang. <laughs> well, them aside, I mean, each good scene has like a little bit of bad. So oh, well, but, you're right there. Yeah, that's true. But I do like how. It is pretty. It is kind of a white knuckle seed, and I love a good uh, blackout subway fight montage. Where that strobe you, effect, I felt like I was yeah. gonna have a seizure. <laughs> yeah, where you just you, you know, it's you don't know where your enemy is. It could be in any place, just at any moment. My, I did have a question attached to that though that I didn't mention in the uh, main section was: doesn't it seem like it goes from being, you know, this tightly packed packed to the gills rush hour subway to all of a sudden there's hardly anybody on the subway to be able to keep pushing them i i realize that there's like people getting dispatched there's victims getting dispatched as they move forward but it seems like the victims that get taken out uh is relatively small comparatively to how many people were on the subway to have them just kind of have the room to get pushed further and further into the subway cars. I don't know. It didn't, but. it didn't dawn on me while I was watching it. it. I didn't see many, I didn't see any discrepancies, but yeah. Well, anyways, but that aside, I would say the subway scene, maybe also the, the whole meatpacking plant scene. That's pretty cool too, but that's also got my, my worst scene aspects too. So that, that's what I would say. I said the Predator Harrigan showdown at the end. I love all of it. But he's falling down the elevator shaft when he's busting through the walls of that lady's apartment like the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> Basically, from that sh- from the showdown, the one-on-one showdown up till the finale. Like, yeah, I love the spaceship stuff, the xenomorph drop. There's lots of good yeah. shit right there at the end. Yeah. What's the worst scene? Couldn't there like a specific worst scene other than, you know, there's like the the racism probably. OK, no, no, no. The worst scene. And I didn't write this down. And I'm sure you're going to say thing is definitely the fucking the Rasta hoopty scene. For I me. put King Willie picking up Harrigan. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. clearly the worst scene. It's <laughs> so fucking bad. But I was also going to say some of those special effects in the the in there in the meatpacking plant into the 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 ship scenes they're 
they're a little flimsy, but yeah, for yeah. sure. So there are some uh, of the invisible predator CGI that they just had to do so much of that it just kind of at some points looks real Star Trek TNG monster of the week episode. <laughs> yeah, X Files, early X Files episodes where it's it's like wow, this is not consistent at all with the vibe. Yeah. The Dahmer I hardly know her award for the most killer performance. I put Bill Paxton. I just love everything he's doing in this. Yeah, Bill Paxton or Danny Glover. I mean, they really they they kind of steal the show, I feel. Um the Michael Rooker Award, which goes to the most evil fucker in the movie. I had a really tough time narrowing this down. Did you put anybody? I mean, other than the Predator, I don't know. You can't really say uh, you could. We as a species deserve to have somebody lay waste to us. So I'm pro Predator. (laughs) Right, exactly. And that's why I didn't necessarily want to put that because the Predator as an entity and, and as a concept, I'm all about, yes. Um, I don't know. Like, How about I guess- Stephen Hopkins as a director and putting <laughs> or <laughs> or the Thomas brothers as the screenwriters? Fair enough. That sounds good to me because otherwise you can't really say keys Gary Busey's character because you know he's ultimately trying. I mean, okay, let's say it's him. If we're gonna go with any cast, because he is part of like this shadow government agency that merely wants to trap the predator to further, you know, military technology, the, the military industrial complex. So let's just go with him. But yeah, he doesn't no, come no, off. I, I like that. We sussed it out. Yeah. But he, I mean, he doesn't come off as, as an evil fucker in the movie. He, he's, he comes off. But those as, are the most evil fuckers are the, yeah, are the ones are. that aren't like on surface level evil. Sure. Okay, yeah. Cause he, yeah, he, he, he has this vibe that he's kind of almost a good guy, but he definitely has an agenda, you know, and obviously Harrigan smells him out. But so we'll just say it's that guy. He's the most evil fucker in the movie. Or, I mean, we didn't even really think about it, but, um, oh boy. Uh, what's his fucking name now? Morton Morton Downey Downey Jr. Jr. Yes. Yeah. I would but, say he is more over him. Yeah, probably. Because okay. Morton Downey Jr.'s character, he's just he's just the he's just a putz essentially. He's a, he's a chump. Um, the recasting couch. This one has a actually fairly rich recasting mm-hmm. uh, history. John McTiernan um, was originally pursued to direct. Obviously, he directed Die Hard. Yeah, uh, but his. Fee after Die Hard came out in 1988 went up to uh, $2 million and they were trying to keep this film at the same budget as the first. So they thought that a little rich for their blood. So producer Joel Silver invited uh, director Stephen Hopkins uh, to direct because of the success of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, one of the most creative in terms of death scenes. Um, Hopkins joined the production and even uh, had a hand in the screenplay. He was uh, closely worked with the Thomases in the screen and script revisions and storyboarding the sequences that they had written. For the lead role of LAPD police officer Harrigan, Hopkins had originally envisioned, and boy howdy, with this movie, think of the trajectory. 
Patrick Swayze is Hopkins. Um, yeah. And he was to be teamed up with Arnold Schwarzenegger, who was to reprise his role as Dutch. Fuck. That would have been nuts. And I also like the fact that amongst the uh, apparently litany of reasons why Schwarzenegger decided to not be on for this project was because he wanted to focus on kindergarten cop <laughs> or whatever. I love kindergarten cop. Kindergarten cop fucking rules. It actually, I, I, made, I remember he obviously he made the better decision. Kindergarten cop made 50 fucking times what this movie <laughs> made. <laughs> but yeah, that's hard to say because what does predator Two make when with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Patrick Swayze in a buddy cop movie? I don't know. Probably a lot of money, but can you just think about like Arnold, like, talking this out with uh the producers of this movie where he's just like yeah i don't want to do this movie because i'm doing this project now well i am a okay so listen to this this is very funny (laughs) so i am a police officer i'm a detective but i have to uh play undercover as a kindergarten teacher (laughs) yeah you just think of the possibilities so yeah i'm gonna have to decline uh coming back to predator for now thank you very much (laughs) hey no 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 listen just real quick before you go though so this is one of the lines from the movie so i have a headache i'm a cop i have a headache and one of the kids the children they say maybe it's a tumor and i reply it's not a tumor <laughs> ah! <laughs> big fan for the whole family <laughs> it's going to be great it's going to be a hit <laughs> so yeah yeah you're well, he fun was right. with your- he was right. He says, like, oh, you are fine with your uh, racist predator movie. I don't, I don't like black people either, but yeah, yeah I get it. So, yeah. Well, that, I'm going to uh, be governor. <laughs> oh, man. He had, he had dreams way ahead of the game. Well, that and they were like millions and millions of dollars off of the, the same page. <laughs> <laughs> yes they, they weren't willing to pay him but yes we got kindergarten cop out of, out of this affair I just spit coffee all over my fucking computer <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck anyways okay Hopkins uh, also met with Steven Seagal for the role which is one of my favorite stories because uh, he was interested in the film, but he had his own ideas about how to portray the character. He wanted. Oh, I'm sure he did. <laughs> I'm sure he did. <laughs> he wanted Harrigan to be a CIA psychiatrist and a martial arts expert. Of, of course. Of course he did. Fucking why? What else would he want to do than, than have that? I mean, I would pay good money to see Steven Seagal roundhouse kick Predator. That would be some shit. <laughs> yeah we didn't, uh, we didn't get that unfortunately we didn't get that one either so no nope <laughs> so hopkins ultimately decided against <laughs> against that choice um and he wanted the character to be more of an average joe type uh so obviously they went with danny glover but they made a weird mini lethal weapon reunion with gary Busey, steve kahan who's barely in this movie and danny glover um so that's what they chose to go with. Um, 
The first choice for Peter Keys, John Lithgow. That would have been cool. Yeah, I think I like, that would have been. I like my. That would have been really good. I like John. He's cool. But, uh, I like him and stuff. Producer Joel Silver uh, pushed for Gary Busey instead. That was our uh, recasting couch. Let's uh, round this out <laughs> then with the wiki wormhole, and uh, then we'll rate this son of a bitch and be done with it. Body count, body count, body count. Yeah, body motherfucker! starts with the body count uh we still have not beaten the record set by dead alive at 87 this movie had all the potential in the world uh as far as i could tell when i looked it up set at 46 i think it would have been higher that's what i got but it wasn't i thought it would have been higher too i thought this would have been uh definitely given dead alive a run for its money with the with being the champ so far but yeah 46 that's what i read the filming of the alley scene which was very troublesome for the filmmakers due to the rough neighborhood that it was shot in the alley was littered with garbage most of which was actually used in the film and plagued with large rats local residents angered by the noise created by the film crew would often throw bottles and paper bags filled with shit from windows at the crew (laughs) in the alley below Worst of all, you know, go ahead. No, no, no. Finish, finish, because I got a little bit of a story. But worst of all, the film crew found an actual dead body hidden amongst the garbage. Uh, Shane Mahan commented, "Oh, oddly racist. Not oddly. I guess it, it fits with the movie's vibe. Uh, <laughs> a racist comment of quote the most horrible places I've ever had to film in were the alleys in downtown Los Angeles." Uh, disgusting alleys. They were dirty, depressing, and gross with people peeing on the walls. We'd be rigging something and there would be rats there. I would just wish the homeless community would stay out of our fucking multi-million dollar project. He didn't say that. I added that. (laughs) But that's what he was saying. You were just, you're just saying what he was thinking. So the one, what I wanted to say about this was it's interesting because I've never really thought about this up until, recently with you know you mentioning this quote um and little tidbit but also i watched cruising not too long ago and i was like reading up about cruising and 
that production was also just fraught with all kinds of issues because people were protesting it and people in the neighborhood didn't want the production happening. And so they had to do all this post-production stuff with the sound to, to limit the amount of, you know, extraneous, uh, you know, sound happening with people just trying to sabotage the production because, you know, they thought that they'd heard about it and they, they thought that it was going to portray the gay community in an yeah. inner light. So, yeah, it's just funny that, you know, again, the thing about this probably happens a lot where these movies, they get set up in certain neighborhoods and people are like, we're not fucking having it. And they try to sabotage the movie. So, well, this is what happens when you don't want to, you know, film in the back lot of a studio. Like, if you want to be on location, you're going to get you're going to get some blowback, especially if you're disrupting the lives of people living in the community. Sure. Absolutely. And not putting anything back into it, of course, which is, yeah. Anyways, but go on, continue my friend. Several of the hunting party members in the predator clan were played by Los Angeles (laughs) Lakers players. Uh, Yeah. I knew, I knew you'd pick that one out when you saw that. That one's a great one. Danny Glover (laughs) being a huge fan of the LA Lakers. Um, It reminded me of when James Worthy appeared on Star Trek Next Generation. If you need a big-ass fucking alien, yeah, why wouldn't you just yeah. cast basketball players? For sure. Yeah, get uh, uh, Kimby Mutombo in there or something. <laughs> Oddly enough, I could not find, for the life of me, um, the, the specific players that that participated in, in any of it. So yeah. I have absolutely no fucking clue at all. Yeah. Obviously, nobody, nobody famous. So, <laughs> yeah, all, 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 all benched <laughs> Lakers players. <laughs> well, uh, what I know off the top of my head of early '90s Lakers, obviously, um, you got Magic Johnson. Vladdy yeah. Divac was was probably on the fucking team then before he went to the the uh, Sacramento Kings, um, and that's about a uh, Byron Scott probably. I was on there, but yeah, I can't think of anybody on that team. Well, James Worthy, because uh, because TNG was around the same time, so Worthy was yeah. probably on there. Maybe Worthy was on TNG and in Predator too. <laughs> Who knows? Could have been. Could have been. Um, <laughs> this this make this causes all the all the shit we were talking about. Like the Jamaican Voodoo Posse gang in this film were based on actual gangs that were terrorizing New York City and. Kansas City in the mid to late 80s? Does Kansas City have a gang problem that I'm not familiar with? A Jamaican gang problem? Kansas City has historically had it's been a hotbed for gang activity because it's kind of at it's at a crossroads. So in terms of, you know, when you think about trafficking stuff, illegal like any mm. sort of contraband, it makes sense. Um now I haven't watched the fourth season of Fargo yet, uh, but they kind of go into that in Fargo, and that's the thing. Like, you know, they do talk about that within the Fargo series about how, you know, Kansas City is this kind of hub of gang activity where a lot of stuff comes in and out, a lot of logistical, um, you know, whatever uh, related things dealing with contraband. It's centered around Kansas City. So that makes sense. Completely. So bizarre. Because yeah. when I think of 
Growing up in Kingston, Jamaica, uh, when I'm relocating, I think nothing like blistery Kansas City. That seems like the place I want to fucking live. Well, then you just for one, I thought for a second you were saying that you were from Kingston, Jamaica. And I was like, really? That's news to me, Pat. But also, (laughs) (laughs) well, well, man, well, (laughs) it's good to know. Um, But also the fact that you uh, you also just set up another uh, sequel to Cool Runnings right there. You know, just go to, you know, wintry Kansas City and set up your indoor bobsledding. Uh, now all camp. we need to do is exhume the bloated corpse of John Candy for some much needed <laughs>, laughs. We could do like a weekend at Cool Runnings 2 with John Candy's bloated fucking body making a bunch of jokes offhandedly. With a, with him a around. cameo by the with a cameo by the predator. Perfect. Sign it. I'm I'm there. My butt's in that seat in that theater. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't talk about this, but I think it's really cool that um, Stan Winston and and his team came up with ideas and designs for more exotic weapons to be featured in this. Yeah, uh, the retractable spear, the detachable pincers, the smart disc, the net. I think the net is super cool. Um, and it differentiates itself from the previous movie, and it was on purpose. We were discussing why Arnold had taken a kindergarten cop over this, um, a dispute <laughs> over money. It was an additional $250,000, which the studio refused to pay him. I think if you're the studio, you pay him the extra $250,000 and you get like millions on the back end. Because yeah. more people are seeing this because of that. Yeah. But 1990, Schwarzenegger is hot and like on the way up, but not like megastar hot. Not like what he will become in a couple of years. Which is wild to think that, you know, because as much as, yes, I under, I realize that, you know, Arnie's career has arced for such a long time to me, he will always be a quintessential eighties action star. But yeah, like that was just the beginning. You know, it's so funny to think about. He was still, you know, the rather, he was still silent in a lot of his roles throughout the Mm eighties because of his, uh, still learning English and the, the accent being so heavy. So, you know, it's, it's towards the end of the eighties where he started doing, I guess, mid to late eighties. You get Terminator, where he's still completely silent. It actually, you know, hinged upon his silence and robotic nature. But I think Commando turns that shit around. In 85, he becomes charismatic and actually has lines. And then from Commando on, then you get Predator, Running Man. Uh, You get a lot of good shit. It's not it, basically it leads up to Terminator 2 in 91 and that's where mm-hmm. the shit pops off. And then eventually you get that really cool Christmas movie that he's in. Dude, Jingle All the Way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jingle All the Way rules. <laughs> went to high school with uh that little kid. Really? Yeah, he went to he went to Carmel High School. No kidding. He's also I had no idea. He also plays Anakin Skywalker in uh, the first prequel Star Wars movie. 
No shit. I didn't know that, that dude was from Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. That is wild. Fuck. I had no idea. Jake Lloyd. <laughs> he had big problems. Got uh, kicked out of the high school. So I was going to say, yeah, child actors. No way. I bet he was. Was he a giant fucking prick or was he like actually no, kind of chill? It was more so everyone was a giant fucking prick to him. Oh, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, he got picked, picked on a lot, huh? Yeah. I mean, you're in that Star Wars movie. People are going up to him fucking hitting him with shit and being like, use the force, bitch. That's oh, that's that's sad. Because, you know, he's already got like a traumatic life being a child actor and then to have it fucking compounded by going to high school and a bunch of fucking fucking prick Indiana fucking white people are, you know, abusing you at high school. I bet that I hope that dude turned out okay because, man, that's like a path for a treacherous adulthood, I feel. I run in a circle of friends who were actually really close friends with him and actually I lived down the street and hung out with these girls who babysat his Great Dane uh, mm routinely and they were closer friends with him than i was but um kid has had a hard life he basically ruined star he didn't ruin it but he's in the movie that is akin to ruining star wars uh but he's also in a fucking movie with arnold schwarzenegger you can never take that away from him so yeah he'll have that forever that's good at least um, the subway attack scene was directly adapted from the first Predator comic book series. Now you really got to get back on that comic book kick. Uh, the producers thought it was cool and wanted to use it in the film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As we said off the top uh, about the NC-17 rating, this film was recut over 20 times, according to Stephen Hopkins, <laughs> because of more graphic shots of mutilated bodies and decapitations by the Predator. The film was initially given the very first NC-17 rating. Hurrah. Hurrah. Respirators were required during that slaughterhouse sequence due to the debris and chemicals that had filled up inside the set. Very strange. And last but not least, um, it's a very brief cameo, but I'm going to butcher her fucking name. Elpidia Carrillo actually I think I fucking nailed it Elpidia Carrillo who plays Anna in the first film has her name listed in the sequel's credits yet doesn't seem to appear in the actual film but if you look carefully during the scene inside uh, Keyes' mobile headquarters you will spot her when Keyes describes how the creature uh, activated a self-destruct device in the original Predator you can briefly spot Anna on one of the video screens Carrillo filmed a debriefing scene in which she talks to the camera and describes the events of the first film, but it was cut from the sequel. Um, yeah. So she's the only one to reprise her role from the original. I assume you have some meaty tidbits that you might want to mull over. I, I, there is, like you said, a fucking boatload of shit on this movie. So I just try to pick and choose my favorites. Yeah. I'll tell you what, man. So, We've talked like, you know, between uh, texting each other about, you know, how I finally started reading The Shining and I was actually going back and doing some research on the movie. And that's another movie, too, where it's this this just voluminous uh, trivia section for it. But, yeah, this one, too, also just so much. So I'm not going to add much more other than this. Um I thought this was interesting because there is a band called this that I know 
some of the guys kind of or have met they've been in other bands i i'm friends with but in the comics and the novels the alien species is known as the yaucha which there was a band called the yaucha and i thought that was kind of cool that is cool that's i'm just gonna leave it at that so we can move it along (laughs) i will end it on this incredibly ridiculous high note did you did did you look up danny glover's predator dance party i know it sounds like a fucking fake thing and i heard about it but yes i will do it so don't worry i'll there's an outtake sequence in this film of danny glover and the various predators in a choreographed dance routine and it is bonkers i will post it on the instagram uh when this episode comes out, it is so fucking funny. Please do. Once again, another 90s thing. Another thing that people just felt like they had to do in the 90s. Let's have a dance montage party for, for a laugh. In Living Color was all the rage. <laughs> right. <laughs> so The Fly Girls. Yeah, yep. the Fly Girls. It, it, it's no, it's no <laughs> surprise. Yeah. Well, so um, what iconography do we want to assign to this movie in order to rate it? I I was going to go with uh, the classic um, Predator with the skull and uh, spinal cord attached trophy. I love that fucking iconography and him standing at the top of the building. Yeah, that's super sick. Let's just go with that. So out of five... Uh, skulls with viscera and attached uh, vertebrae hanging off of it. Um, what do you assign this movie? I gave it a three and a half. I gave it a three, three out of yeah. five. Yeah. Good. Not great. Not sure. I, it bears repeated viewings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And of course, the most important thing, what is on the next episode? Adam gets the next two in a row since I did the last two. Buddy, I'm excited for these two back-to-back ones, too. Oh, you've gonna, chosen both. I've got both of them ready to go, ready in the chamber, locked and loaded, my friend. Um, but the next one is going to be a real treat for numerous reasons. Hopefully, uh, hopefully everything will pan out the way I expect it to. But the movie unto itself... Is going to be something. I'll tell you what. It's a movie I haven't watched in quite a while. It's a movie that has an infamous history. It's actually associated with a series that has an infamous history. But we're going to we're going to take a book from the infamous guinea pig series, a Japanese horror anthology from the uh, 80s and 90s. I think it was pretty much the 80s, maybe early 90s. But we're going to watch one of the movies from the guinea pig series, one of the best ones, probably the best one. There's two that are really good, uh, and it's called Mermaid in a Manhole. All right. Yeah, I have only ever seen one guinea pig movie low so long ago. So I've never seen this for sure. You haven't seen it. So what did you see? uh, uh, Flowers of Flesh and Blood? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought about that one, but. Of the two, Mermaid in a Manhole is definitely my favorite. I think it's the most worthy one to talk at length about. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna dive into that. We're gonna go back east. This is gonna be our second movie from Japan because Ichi the Killer would be the other yes. one. I don't think we've done any other ones from Japan other than Ichi the Killer. So yeah. And do we want to talk about our special guest? Um, no, because who knows? He might flake. (laughs) 
I don't know. Like, I seriously don't like he he's 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 a dude that he's bad with communication and something can come up. I just we may I, or may not even have a special guest. OK. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't want to I don't want to say for sure, but we might we might have our first special guest. If we're going to talk about this on the mic, there's the, the little added like, uh, you know, sweetener to the pot. Um, so we'll see. Either way, guess or no guess going to be uh, we're still doing hum- it. We're still doing it. It's going to be a, a humdinger of an episode. So tune in next time, my friends. All right. Well, this has been another deep dive into Midnight Movie Madness. Big thanks to Charlotte Blythe for providing our intro music. Our outro music is brought to you by both Carnivore and Ice Cube in a hilarious mishmash of (laughs) musical (laughs) sensations. If you're a band looking to submit a song or a listener looking to submit a question, feel free to shoot us an email at midnightflixpod at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram at midnightflixpod. For Adam Walker, I'm Pat Mitchell. See you next week. The duchy on the left hand side. Pass me the red, red wine. They live beneath a ruined city called Subway's Home. Fantasy waves, you see the sun, and the land is a yes unknown. Can't be known to escape the death.